0: Smartcast
1: You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast
2: Hello everyone I'm Molly from Mint's personal finance team In today's episode of Why Not Mint Money Neil Borate who heads the personal finance team at Mint will be speaking with Suresh Sadgopan Suresh is the founder of Ladder 7 Financial Advisories and has been running his financial advisory practice since 2004 We are close to completing a decade since SEBI first introduced its investment advisor regulations in January 2013. To mark this significant development, Mint is reaching out to SEBI Registered Investment Advisors, or RIAs, to understand their investment advisory journey, the challenges that they have faced, and the triumphs that they have had over the past several years. Suresh tells Mint about his journey as an investment advisor and how they navigated the shift from advisory and distribution business to a fee-only advisory model from 2018. He talks about how the industry landscape and investor behavior has evolved over time. He also reveals to Neil whether he takes his own financial advice. Tune in to know more. Hi,
1: welcome to Why Not Mint Money? A personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started on your money journey. So if you can describe your career before you registered as an RIA in 2013? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, so, I came into the advisory practice in 2004. So, since 2004, I've been uh, doing this financial planning and advisory. Um, I mean, at the start of the career, obviously, uh, the amount of fee that I could charge was obviously less. Right. Uh, that is because of my own understanding of the financial planning domain and about the nascent stage of the market at that uh, time so slowly so it was a fee and commission model which i was working on uh, at that time so over a period of time i also developed some maturity in the financial planning and advisory business and then slowly my fees also started scaling up uh, over a period of time i mean i, I was also a mutual fund distributor uh, at that time so so that business was also supporting me for financially uh, over a period of time, what happened was, uh, uh, I mean, okay, before that, what was uh, the understanding with the client at that time when I do a financial plan, if I'm charging 5,000 rupees, the understanding was that it's a gentlemanly understanding so that they we will do the financial plan and they will come to me for the, uh, whatever products have been uh, recommended and the clients were also okay because I mean, ultimately they have to go to somebody or other they figured that okay you are the person who has has recommended the product so why not go with you so there there is nothing uh, there is no problem so that is how it went in 2010 we wanted to make a fundamental change and we wanted to actually move towards the uh, true advisory model where we told the clients that from now on it is not that you have to necessarily come to us we are going to charge a financial planning fee we will do a plan we will give it to you if you want to come to us you are welcome to come to us but if you want to go elsewhere or you want to do it on your own, it's entirely up to you.
2: Right. So
0: that change we made in 2000, 2010. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was a fundamental uh, decision, which I only took. I said, let, let us, uh, move towards the fee-only kind of a model. It's not exactly a fee-only model, uh, but fee-only kind of a model, but because anyway, at that point, the enabling products were also not there at that time. Right.
2: Uh,
0: that is the uh, commission-free products were uh, anyway, not there. So what happened at that time was uh, something like maybe 50, 60 percent of the clients were continuing to stay with us. Some people chose to do it on their own or do it through certain other people.
2: Right.
0: So that happened, but uh, fortunately, by the time we were in 2010, our ad- advisory fee also had come to a certain manageable stage. So and that is precisely why I was able to take the decision. Also, I mean, this right. advisory fee pittance then it would have been a problem for me to take that uh, decision. So it was a, after a particular level of scale up, I was able to take that uh, call. And in the meantime, the advisory landscape was also undergoing a change. And uh, I mean, anticipating the advisory uh, changes that is going to come, I positioned myself as a, uh, we we segregated the uh, distribution business and the advisory business. And before uh, the regulation came itself in 2012, itself we had segregated both. So, the uh, advisory business was what I was uh, working on.
1: When you say segregated, you mean that uh, you had different clients and distribution and different clients advisor in advisory at that point?
0: Uh, no. Um, so, at that point, uh, the client level segregation was uh, not there. Um, so, it was like, uh, as, far as, the, as far as the clients are concerned, who want to come for a financial plan, Right. so then uh, uh, i mean i will do the financial plan and give them the uh, give them the recommendations right. and as clients uh, who want to do only distribution or clients who want to do the uh, after the financial plan if they want implementation uh, services right. they will go to our our other uh, uh, arm okay. so it was like that but it was very clear that uh, you can go to our other arm uh, or you can go to uh, whichever other party you happen to be right. interested in right so that client level segregation and all this is a very of uh, very recent window which of course you know everybody knows but that is the uh, the latest iteration uh, suggests yeah. so in 2013 onwards uh, so we started the, uh, the fee only advisory and before yeah. that itself we had started the fee only advisory but we had uh, not gone uh, into the direct plans 2013 because you are more than aware than anybody else that in 2013 while the direct plans were introduced (laughs) the feeds were not available to the uh, advisory community yeah so uh, we were continuing to give the regular plans only uh, because i mean how do i advise what do i uh, how do i access the feeds Yeah. so it was one in 2016 so there were two fundamental changes which happened in on 31st, uh, December, 2015 and 1st January, 2016. Right. So the fundamental changes was one is uh, there was an enabling clause by SEBI, which said that advisory feeds have to be given to uh, RAs, right. uh, The direct feed also has to be given and uh, MFU started uh, offering direct plans on their advisory platform. Right. It is after that we started uh, uh, slowly onboarding. I said, I say slowly because there were lots of problems. Uh, regarding the feeds, I mean, the first two years were excruciating, okay. very, very difficult, very difficult two years. Uh-huh. First of all, a lot of people, I mean, uh, in spite of whatever the Sebi had to say, a lot of people just, uh, I mean, cans and carvi, and we had to virtually go and uh, go go down on our knees in terms of getting the feeds. Okay. So uh, the first two years it was slow. We were slowly onboarding. We were actually finding our feet. Uh, virtually on a uh, daily basis, our operations team was talking to them. Lots of problems, lots of missing data, lots mm. of issues were there. But in 2018, it was kind of okay. I would not say the data and things like that were uh, uh, sorted, but it was kind of okay. Then we had taken the call that, okay, now we are a fee advisor. Now it is kind of sorted out, something like 70% sorted out. So we will go whole hog into that. So we told all the clients, that we are only in going to be into advisory no regular products will be there no commissionable products will be there you have to now i mean if you want to be with us you have to now necessarily come into the direct plan right no that is easier said than done because uh, i mean we will not be able to cash out everything and uh, we will not be able to do it on day one because there are exit load implications and yeah. uh, tax implications Plus, we had to convince the client that on all these things we are going to advise you, we are going to give you a whole set of services and then we are going to charge a fee. Yeah. So, uh, so again, it was a kind of, a, you can say, uh, a leap of faith. Uh, right. We did that uh, thing in 2018. In fact, uh, uh, my colleagues were questioning the wisdom of uh, such a foolhardy decision.
2: Yeah.
0: I said, now that we have chosen RIA as a practice model, I mean, how can we continue in that uh, other model, regular plan, how can we yeah. continue, not continue. Yeah. Now the enabling provision is there where we have commission-free model. So, uh, but very fortunately, I mean, most while we had to have lot of discussions, we had to prepare lots of papers to show it is not a loss to them. On the contrary, overall, uh, including the advice and the service and the cost saving and all that, ultimately it is in their best interest. Yeah. they are coming to producer advisor who does not have, verifiably does not have any conflict of interest. So yeah. we were able to get most of the clients we were able to get. Uh, when I say most of the clients, more than 90% of the clients we were able to get back in mm-hmm. the adversary So, and all the, of, of course, from that point onwards, all new clients were only into advisory and nothing else. And with uh, direct plans. So that is, why, that is how it was uh, It was going. I mean, it was so, it was okay. It was not as bad as I thought it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, it scaled up fine, and then 2020. And, I mean, in between all the whatever challenges in mutual funds and those kinds yeah. of DHF, all those things, Franklin Templeton, all those things happened But that is nothing to do with advisory per se. <coughs> um, yeah, I mean that's okay. And in 2020, uh, this uh, regulation has come. This regulation it had its own set of uh, say googlies. Right. Uh, it was, uh, okay, so one of the things which we wanted to do for a long time in our case was to convert into a corporate. So we had formed a corporate uh, entity, private limited company, in 2016 itself.
2: Right.
0: So uh, what we thought uh, at that time was that, see, the fees had gone up from one lakh to five lakh. Right. So there were uh, consultation papers after consultation papers. So mm. and there were a lot of representations which were going to the going to Sebi. Right. And uh, I wrongly thought that probably it will be brought back to one lakh and at some point in mm. time, I'll I'll get that relief and we can we can do that. So till 2020 I had waited. Yeah. Uh, but it so happened that it is not. It did not come down. On the contrary, the net worth actually criteria also went up significantly right uh, but okay, so we knew that okay fine we cannot wait any longer and anyway uh, from the sebi uh, investment advisor uh, regulation point of view that had also shifted uh, for an individual it had shifted from uh, 150 uh, clients criteria came in yeah and because of the client criteria we had to necessarily corporatize yeah so we did the corporatization so i mean anyway that was on the card
1: so if you can broadly remember the migration uh, as a percentage of your client base from distribution to advisory how would that be like if you think back to 2013 would it be less than 1% of clients then maybe 10% moved. to? could you like give me some broad numbers uh, of people migrating to
0: advisory in fact I mean we have been uh, into advisory for a very long time like I said Mm -hmm. now while we have been dealing in commissionable product up to a particular point in time because the viable alternative was not there Right. We have been primarily only into advisory. We were, we okay. have not been selling mutual funds for a very, very long time. Right. We have not been all, separately selling that. I mean, it is only for existing clients that right. we used to give mutual funds or any other product for that matter. Right. So for a longish period of time, more than 10 years, we have been in this model only. Okay. I mean, even before the regulation, we were in this model. Separately, far and few between. Maybe, uh, I mean, just because you are asking for a number, maybe 10% or thereabouts will... Would have been purely distribution. Right. 90% of the clients who are in the advisory model. Okay.
1: If you think back to the industry landscape before 2030, what was it like?
0: So, I mean, I don't think there is any major change in the way uh, consumers are uh, looking at anything at all. See, the problems are still the same. People are earning money. People, the financial awareness is not that very high. They still have goals, they want to uh, invest their money appropriately, enough to meet the goals so that they can retire appropriately. So I mean, the I mean, the I mean, the goals and requirements of our clients continue to be exactly the same. Right. Only that, I mean, we have uh, the advisory landscape has changed uh, significantly. Uh, Yeah. If I were to say, I mean, 10 years before, 15 years before, to some people, we had to tell them what is financial advisory right. and why right. you should do financial advisory, those kind of things. I think that has significantly changed now. The kind of people who are coming to us today and they are talking about financial, aid, they precisely know what we are talking about. Right. And they also know terms like fiduciary, client-centering, client, centering, client mis- I And mean, they are reasonably clear about all these things, which was not the case maybe before 15 years. So right. that's, a, that's a huge uh, change. That is what I would say. That's a huge change.
1: Right. Can you uh, tell us a bit more about your first year of practice?
0: Yeah. um, So a lot of people tell that uh, it is very, very difficult to do financial planning, collect a fee and things like that. But that has not been my experience at all. My experience has been that uh, while people did not really have much of an idea about what is financial advice and financial practice. When I started uh, talking to them, explaining to them the merits of a financial advice, Mm -hmm. there was not much resistance in from the people. They understood basically what where I was coming from right. and what potentially could uh, result to them uh, by way of an advice. They understood that uh, very clearly. And very fortunately, my uh, charges at that time was also comparatively low. So I did not have much of a resistance at that time in terms of uh, getting clients at all. I was able How to get much lot approximately
1: of- would you have charged back by- then?
0: So the first client I had charged thousand seven fifty. So then in the first year, one thousand seven fifty for the plan. Right. So that was in two thousand four. So by two thousand six, two thousand seven, it came to some seven thousand five hundred or something like that. By two thousand ten, it was seventeen thousand or something like that. So I mean, uh, slowly, uh, basically, I had to develop the plan, uh, the complexity of the plan, the detailing in the plan, all went up over a period of time. Okay. So over a period of time. I was able to charge a higher and higher fee. On an average, you can say in 2006-2007, it would have been maybe 5,000 to 7,500. That would have been the fee. But there right. was not much resistance in terms of uh, getting a fee.
1: Right. Now, can you tell us how things changed over uh, the time that followed? So, both in terms of the kind of people who came to you, uh, the kind of wealth that you saw uh, people having that you might not have earlier seen, um, and also, you know, uh, their goals and expectations, anything that you can trace for us in in that period?
0: Yeah, so um, initially, uh, I mean, because I was uh, approaching people, myself and things like that, and uh, people who have become my clients were also referring some clients, so initially, uh, the kind of people who were initially coming were all kinds of people. Uh, Over a period of time, I mean, currently also we have, we don't have any problem about people who have X amount of assets or Y amount of assets. We don't have any, we don't discriminate among our clients at all. Right. But typically what has happened is, I mean, the kind of people who are now coming to us will have a certain level of assets. I mean, otherwise they don't generally come to us. So, I would say anywhere between 2 to 3 crores is, broadly I'm saying, uh, there are clients who have 20 lakhs as assets who have come to us there are clients who have much, much more than 3 crores who have come to us. So I would say very broadly speaking about maybe 3 crores is the average, uh, roughly average asset size is what I would say. So that has happened over a period of time. These days we are not really going and acquiring clients uh, that way. It is primarily, there are people who search us out or maybe I've written an article, maybe I'm quoted somewhere or they've heard a podcast or something like that, then they come to us. Or uh, it is referred uh, to uh, to us by some existing client, somebody like that. So that is how we get it. Now, uh, Of course, uh, these days, uh, people also search on Google and they also uh, do come. But typically, most of the people who come to us, generally we find that, uh, I mean, the client segment has shifted.
1: Yeah. Has yeah. it also gotten younger? Like you see more young people, especially in IT, earning, um, you know, in the, you know, Thirty lakh, 40 lakh, 50 lakh salary. So have you
0: seen that happen as well? Yeah. So so what I understand from, uh, from this is that uh, in the initial stages of life, people are not really focusing too much on planning and things like that. Yeah. Uh, They are going with the flow. They are investing wherever they want to. Yeah. They have a lot of, a lot of goals. They are also, okay, spending money on their uh, vacation or vehicles and various other incidental things. Yeah. at some point in time, it hits them that okay fine my god i've been working for the past 11 12 15 years yeah i've not done anything now i have a family also now i have two children so yeah. now i have to uh wisen up i have some loans also now i have i have to do a plan so it's right. at that point many people actually approach us so typically 38 40 is or more is the golden age and 38 to 45 i would say among that 70% also, more than 50% are in this bracket, 38 to 45.
1: Do you find that uh, they might not have saved as much as they should have for things like retirement? Or uh, since they anyway come with you with a certain worth, so clearly they have done something right? So, How do you see it? Uh,
0: so Neil, actually, um, this particular question is difficult to answer in the sense that there are people who have done wonderfully well in spite of not having a financial advisor by themselves sometimes they have done all the right things sometimes they have done partially right probably they are in the wrong products or they have just put everything in an fd i mean but they have accumulated a fair amount of money so savings has been done investments have not been done properly some savings they have done so some land parcels they have bought some houses they have bought so those kind of people are also there but very shockingly there are also enough people who have been earning quite a lot of money yeah. and they have nothing much to show for that mm-hmm. so those kind of people are also there somebody who is at 44 somebody who is at 45 having and un- earning massively
2: yeah
0: and still having well under a crore maybe less than 50 lakhs we have seen those kind of cases also when we ask yeah. people like that what has happened they say i don't know i mean that is why i'm coming to you uh, i had this uh Uh, This thing, that thing, on which I have spent. uh, There are people I had to support. Things like that they say, Uh, but we know that it is not uh, only that because we have other people who are also supporting their family, their sister, brother, and all that, and who have substantial amount, built substantial amount of wealth. So you have all kinds of people. I mean, there are people, lot of people who, I mean, live it up.
1: And uh, is having uh, endowment insurance still a huge problem uh, in the way that it was?
0: 5-7 years ago? No, uh, so I think um, there has been a good amount of uh, you can say education by all of us including the media. I mean you people have played a very major role. Thank you. So okay. I think, yeah, yeah, surely. So I, I think uh, that problem is a lot less today as compared right. to what it was in maybe prior to 2010.
2: Right.
0: So today, yeah, I mean the problem is there somewhere but it is uh, probably, I would say the problem has come down significantly. We don't have uh, the insurance problem like it was once upon a time. Right.
1: Your uh, proudest memory of serving a client, somebody whose life that you think uh, you really get an impact.
0: <laughs> yeah, there are uh, several clients where we have made a massive impact. So I'll tell you just one case like that. So we have uh, a client who used to work for uh, Vodafone Idea. And he used to work for idea and uh, it merged into Vodafone. Okay. So what happened was he was doing well and he was uh, that way, a great guy that way. But when it merged, you know, what happens in mergers. So he was actually given not a great uh, role to play in that. And uh, in in a sense, he felt that he was being harassed. Uh, So the quality of work was very poor. And uh, he was asked to work at all, all times of the day and night. So, I mean, he was uh, very disappointed with the whole thing and uh, he was with us, even at that point, he was with us for eight, ten years at that time itself. Right. I'm talking about three years back. Uh, so, he wanted to know whether it is going to be feasible. I mean, he used to once in a while talk to us and he was, he used to complain that this is what is happening in my life. What should I do? And things like that. so we ran the numbers. A lot of times he said, can I give up my job? So we ran the numbers and we found that it is going to be possible for him to retire. So, But he did not retire. Right. He did not uh, do that. So he was not uh, he was not willing to give up the job because he, he was barely coming near 50. Right. Okay. So he was not very sure. He had a young son. So he was not very sure. His wife was not working. So after talking to us for maybe two years, two and a half years, then finally he put in his papers. Right. And after that, I mean, he was so relieved. I mean, he has called us so many times and we yeah. we keep in touch even uh, today. We are still managing his portfolio. He says, boss, the the kind of uh, courage you gave me at that time, I mean, my life has uh, transformed.
1: Right. Suresh, uh, any regrets that you have? So, something that you would have, uh, advised that you were given in good faith, but you think in hindsight you should have given a different
0: yeah. So there is, there is one such thing. So, um, I'm going way back to
2: 2008.
0: Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, 2008 was a very, very difficult time for all of us, all, all people in the financial services fraternity.
2: Right.
0: Uh, I mean, it had fallen dramatically and the kind of news and the noise around was, I mean, really, really frightening. It was frightening us. It was frightening all the clients and, uh, people wanted to know whether boss it will go to somebody was saying it will go to 3,000 of the Sensex, somebody mm-hmm. was saying it will go to zero. Uh, I mean, all kinds of news were uh, coming out. Somebody actually said it will go to zero at mm-hmm. the time. So, uh, very difficult time. So, while we were talking to the clients, some of the clients were very insistent that, uh, I mean, come what may, I don't want to stay in equity. It is not a great idea. So, let us uh, exit out of equity. So, Uh, some three cases out of all the clients that we had, we had exited. Okay. So at maybe 11,000, 12,000, I don't remember now exactly at what point we had exited and we had moved into uh, some liquid fund or something like that. Um, the, The problem was, I mean, it stabilized, the market stabilized over a period of time, and then it started moving up. Now, that anchoring effect is there. I mean, you have exited at uh, 12,000. You know that it has gone down all the way to 8,000, 8,900 or something like that. So, you are still looking at looking back at that point. The client is looking back. We are looking back. Are you, is it a dead cat bounce? Uh, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, are we at 14,000? Again, Will it come back. And uh, the information which was there, the market situation uh, at that time, all kind of was not very stable at all. It could have potentially gone down and nobody knew. So we were waiting, waiting, waiting and some of these uh, clients, uh, we had to get in back at a much later point in time. Right. So the clients who with whom we stayed just put uh, in the portfolio, they yeah. have done much better after three, four years of uh, after this event as compared to these three cases yeah. which have done I mean noticeably worse. Yeah. Uh, as compared to, so this is something. Uh, yeah, while the clients were panicking, I think we also panicked and uh, we did the wrong thing for these uh, clients. So clients were very pushy. I do. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah.
0: I do. So, in hindsight, it would I have
1: helped.
0: Yeah, yeah. In in hindsight, I should not have done that for the for these clients. Three clients also, I should not have done that. Right. So that's definitely a regret.
1: Next is a really fun question. um So do you take your own advice?
0: Yeah, so in my case, uh, uh, I'm I'm doing, yeah, I'm, I'm actually doing my own thing. My advisors also, from time to time, they say that this is what you can do. But yeah, to answer your question in a straightforward manner, I don't have an advisor. Some of the other advisors say that they have an advisor. I don't have an advisor and I think it's okay. I mean, my portfolio is very, very simple. I have uh, purposely created my portfolio to be extremely simple. Uh, in the sense, I have only one bank account. I have one DMAT account. I have virtually all my money into mutual funds. I have some bonds. I have an NPS account, PPF account. That's about it. That's it. I don't have anything else. Bonds also, I think I have only one bond. That's it. So mine is very, very simple and straightforward. I have already done my uh, will uh, for myself and my wife. So that is already done. Right. Okay.
1: What is the hardest part of being financial
0: advice the hardest part is that see uh, uh i mean you know that you have come into this practice uh, to offer the best advice to the client you are uh, you really are a fiduciary you want to do the right things and you are actually doing those things for the client and the client does not understand and they go ahead and do all the wrong things which they should not ideally be doing after doing the financial plan That the that really, really hurts, and it yeah. happens with some of the clients. You can't do anything about it. How much ever we counsel them, how much ever we advise them, we in fact we some some of them we have told them that boss, it's okay. You don't have to be there with us on an ongoing basis, but just follow the advice that we have given. Just just follow those uh, that pathway that we have given. Yeah. Some people don't follow that. I mean, I'm not saying that a majority of them don't follow that. A minority of them don't follow that. We have one client who has come back after several years now, and yeah. what mess he has made of uh, the whole thing. So yeah. that is the. I mean, that really hurts. I mean, the client has come to us with a uh, uh, with a view to sorting out the whole thing, and then they have not done anything about it. Yeah, so that is really hurtful.
1: If there's one thing in the SEBI regulations that you would like to change, what would that be?
0: So I think. Uh, uh, one pain point which all of us are feeling is uh, that I mean we will have to write that uh, same gatekeeper exam again and again and again. Okay. So I mean that's a, I mean I don't know where this has come from but uh, this is unprecedented in India, in any any profession, it is unprecedented, unprecedented anywhere in the world. Yeah. I think this is something that they definitely need to change if they want to ensure that we people are current, all the advices are current, if they want to have a bridge course, uh for maybe one two days whatever and or they put up a video which we are allowed to go through and even give a test i'm okay with that but i mean uh, there is no uh, there is nothing we are achieving by making the advisors go through the same gatekeeper exam. first i've been doing financial plan for 18 years now don't ask me what is financial planning now come on i mean that is that should not be the objective of uh testing me at all you should test me on something new
2: Yeah,
0: uh, frankly, beyond a certain level of uh, seniority, I think this is not required. And if, I mean, and the CE points, if you want to tighten the CE point criteria, you tighten the criteria somewhat. So even if you do not have any exam and things like that, if you want, again, go back to the CE criteria, tighten the criteria and uh, make it known to all the education providers. What is the criteria? and Let them award the CE points based on those criteria. So this is a huge pain point. I think this is one of the, uh, from our point of view, business owners, from our point of view, it is a business continuity risk. I mean, frankly speaking, I'm not looking into financial planning these days. I have a team. I'm not going into uh, doing those Excel things while I still am current and all that. But it is very much probable that some of us may flunk that exam because I'm not doing these uh, Excel workouts on a daily basis. Yeah. Just because I've not done that, my team is doing that. I'll be, I'll not be a principal officer any longer. It's yeah. a huge, risk. it's a huge business continuity risk. And for all the rest of them who are working with me, it's a headache. Any yeah. way you look at it, headache. And it's a huge unwanted uh, barrier in the industry. Which yeah. is probably I would say this is the number one barrier. In great, right.
1: great. Thank you so much, Suresh.
0: Most welcome, yeah.
2: So, listeners, that's it for now. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any personal finance questions, you can email them to us at mintmoney@livemint.com, or you can reach out to Neil on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at actusdei. That is, a c t u s d e i.
1: This was a Mint production brought to you by
2: HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.